Chapter 15 of Mr. Wicker's Window by Carly Dawson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. This recording is by Arthur Piantadosi. The two boys came out toward the mouth of Rock Creek, and as the woods thinned, they saw ahead of them a sandy sloping bank on which a small boat was drawn up. Around the coals of a fire nearby, three men were crouching. Remembering Mr. Wicker's warning to be cautious, Chris put out a hand to touch Amos, and the two stood still. Let's climb up a little above them, Chris suggested. We're beyond the bridge. They might be... well, we'd better be careful. I want to see what they're doing before they see us. Amos agreeing, the two boys, with extra care for rattling twigs, moved stealthily up the banks of the Potomac that rose with increasing steepness. The men, who were huddled near their fire now, came directly into their view below, and Chris and Amos could see that they were playing cards. One seemed to be losing to the other two. He heaped a pile of his small possessions in front of him on the sand in lieu of money. They were certainly a villainous-looking trio. The boys could hear some of their explanations. It was with a million feeling of curiosity and uneasiness that Chris recognized the losing gambler to be Simon Gosler, the hunchback cripple. Come on, Gosler! I heard one of the men cry in annoyance. Pee up! You're lost! I've no money to pay you! Complained the sly voice of the cripple. I'm a poor man! Well, you know it, a cripple, just a poor old cripple. Ah, oh, none of that. None of the fucking winner. We know how well you're doing, you're begging. More in a day than we get in a month's pay. Pay up now, or it won't go well with you. He rasped out, laying his hand on a dug egger stuck into his belt. What about your glass, your spyglass, Gussler? urged the first man. Put that up and it will cover your losses well enough, he sneered, but Simon Gosler hugged his coat to him and looked from side to side, searching for a way of escape. No, no, good fellows, he moaned. Not my glass. I won that from the captain himself three years ago, and I shall never part from it willingly. You'd part with it from silver quick enough, Snarled the first gambler. Well, of that you must have plenty, for it's too dreary ever lose. Come now, we'll give you a few minutes more to make up your mind, but make it up you must. Either the glass or the silver, you may choose. The two gamblers rose menacingly and moved away to put their boat into the stream. Simon Gosler was wet mumbling and sniveling and fingering his coat pocket in which he kept his glass. Chris, watching him, at a sudden inspiration, whispered Amos, Hide here behind the oast bushes and don't follow me. Don't move or show yourself. I'm going to have that glass. So saying, he moved carefully back until he was out of sight of Amos. And then, for the first time on his own, he tried his change of shape. Choosing a blood-fraught stone, stone at the edge of the shrubbery and carefully removed from the sight of the two winners, he changed himself into a silver coin and allowed himself to drop with a sweet metallic ring on the stone. Ding! Waiting, winking in the sun for Simon Gosler. The old cripple saw the coin before it had bounced twice on the stone with a slack, sly look over his shoulder at the backs of his companions. As he pushed at the boat, hoisted himself up on his crutch and began hobbling over towards his find. 
but instead of a coin, he found only a resolute boy awaiting him, tossing and catching a silver piece. It was one of those Mr. Wicker had given Chris but an hour before. He looked Simon Gossler in the eye. "'I've heard what went on, Simon Gossler,' said Chris, his eyes on the level with the roomy, watering eyes of the cripple. "'And if you will sell your smyglass to me, I'll buy it off you with this silver piece. Otherwise, you shall not have it.' Simon Gossler's eyes dripped tears of greed at the sight of the coin. And then another expression washed over them. Fast as he was, and fast as was his movement, Chris was faster— as the old beggar braced himself and brought the head of his crutch down where Chris's head should have been, someone from behind dealt him a staggering blow from a sizable club, and yet when he turned around, no one was there. When he faced about again, rubbing his head and whimpering with rage and frustration, he found himself once more facing the boy who was tossing and catching, tossing and catching the round silver coin. Chris stood with his legs apart, his head back, his eyes full of scorn, his hand did not cease to toss and catch the silver piece. "'Well, you old villain!' he challenged. "'Will you take the coin and fair its change, "'or shall I hit you again with that flub you just felt?' "'Yeah, just... "'It doesn't feel the same when you get it back "'as when you give it out, does it, you old faker? "'Hurry up! "'Your friends will soon be coming back, "'and I don't think they intend to argue.' "'Simon Gusser still rubbed his head, and "'muttering finally spoke. "'Very well, Liam. Nasty young man, I'll sell you my glass. Give me the coin. He stretched out a dirty claw. Oh, no. Chris stood his head decisively. No, indeed. You put the glass down between us, carefully, mind you, and back away. I'll throw you the coin when I've seen if the glass is worth a silver. Mumbling himself. So, ah, ah. Simon Gossler did as he was told. He reached back in his coat pocket to draw out a small spyglass, which he laid down on the ground. Then he, he then backed away. Chris picked up at it and examined the glass, tested it, and then, just as the two gamblers came back up the riverbank, tossed the silver piece to the beggar. Gossler caught it in midair with the dexterity of years of practice. In an instant, Chris had vanished into the thick shade of the wood and, going as fast but as quickly as he could, regained the place where Amos waited for him. "'Gee, Chris,' Amos explained, for he had caught all Simon's expression of speech. "'We got us a spyglass!' "'We sure have,' Mr. agreed, "'and it's a fine one. Best I ever saw,' he said. "'Here, try it out over the river there, where that ship is anchored.' Amos pointed the glass through the shrubs towards a distant ship that swung an anchor close to the shore, and while he tried out their prize... Chris watched the departure of the three gamblers. Gossel had evidently paid up while Chris was returning to their hut and perch, for he was now hustled into the boat with, by the other two. Soon the three were dared down the stream, and their boat was moving up into the main flow of the river. Here, Simon said, back the glass. You look, that's a mighty fine ship out there, black as a mirabelle is white, but she looks fast and strong just the same. But Chris, taking a glass, was idly following the progress of the three men. Gossler, lost in gloom, sat in the stern, hugging his rags about him. The other two bent their backs to the oars and headed straight for the anchored ship. Turning the glass to the brig, Chris hunted for the name as a prow swung about. Through the glass with letters, gold on the black-painted side, leapt to his eye across the distance. Venture! 
Chris read, and with a beating heart he saw his adversary ship for the first time. Mr. Wicker's Window, Chapter 15, by Carly Dawson. End 